you know, you never think of the ramifications of doing these things back to back, but just like any real event, the show keeps going. This is Mr. Benja with the BenjaCon version of the Mr. Benja's ADD experience. That's art, design, and development. We're going live all this week with special guests, um, great and awesome people that we've met through through the years, um, getting great discussions about creativity, development, and these are the kind of discussions I used to have during during my time in uh, the con scene. Um, I say the con scene, expos, events, conventions, uh, gatherings, art fairs, etc. We're putting all that together and having a good time. We just finished up with Aubrey. Now we're going to be rolling into a special discussion with Nastio, the 8-Bit Boy. Um, we, we mentioned in the last podcast, by the way, so this is a good uh, transition into some of the nerdcore stuff. Some of the, a different angle, still very good. Let's see what's up with uh, Nastio. Boom. I love this live Instagram thing. Totally didn't know it was going to happen this way, but it did. Yo. What is good, my man? All is well. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Um, I don't know if you caught any of the last one. Uh, I don't think I saw your name float up there, but. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy getting this whole thing started, man. That's awesome, man, and I appreciate you having me here at BenjaCon. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's funny. Um, as I was, I was telling Aubrey before, I I started this whole thing because we were we 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 all love the whole con experience for different mm-hmm. reasons. There's so much creativity, so many uh, great people to meet. Uh, so many new and interesting things to find out. You're getting people from all over the world basically coming through, learning about properties and intellectual, uh, you know, IP that we've never seen or heard of before. So very cutting edge stuff. And I wanted to just bring that back, you know, during the pandemic. And actually, I started doing this before the pandemic. I just never recorded it. Um, That's cool. So now... It's led to, it's led up to this right here where I'm doing this on Instagram and kind of using it as a way to get more in touch with social media, more in touch with the uh, online side of things. That's awesome, man. You know what? It's funny. I've, I've been reminiscing so much about the early cons that I was going to just just knowing that I was going to be on this with you. And I started thinking back and I'm trying to calculate my first con. I think I think I can I can only prove with the badges, right? So I know as far as the badges I can go back, <laughs> yeah. I have the I have the nineteen ninety four badge. So I can at least oh. go I can at least go there. So I've got nineteen ninety four till now, but my memory says I went to ninety three, but I yeah. can't, I don't have the badge to prove it. <laughs> no wait, is that a is that a San Diego badge from ninety ninety four? Yeah. Wow. So that's when you, they were still kind of in um I don't want to say they weren't. Were they in the convention center at that time? Yeah, they were in the convention center, but it was only half of it. Okay, it was, I don't. It wasn't even the upper floor. I think it was just like the bottom half because they hadn't expanded it yet. So it was only mm. really about half the size. So I got to see it go from the half size to the construction to the upper level to the hotels expanding. Like, right. but, I, but, yeah. but I, I remember when you could do a cartwheel at the convention. There was so much space. There was like nobody there. And like, yeah, like, okay, okay. <laughs> Oh, that that's wild because um, I had gone to cons before and um, I had gone to different events. And you're so you're from San Diego. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm I was uh, raised in Florida, uh, born in New Orleans, and I would end up going to little comic expos here, uh, mm-hmm. little little video game fair there, uh, whatever. So I I didn't know. I just had no clue. And when people learned I was moving to San Diego, they're like, "Hey, are you going to check out Comic Con?" And I'm like. <laughs> comic-con i mean you know cons are cool man but um what comic-con are you even talking about and they're like no no no, they're not not the generic name the real (laughs) comic-con what san diego comic-con and i'm like san diego comic-con is it that big of a thing this is i'm sorry i just had to put it out there this is me being ignorant at the time just getting to san (laughs) diego just getting to san diego and uh kind of fell off the scene just a tad bit and I started looking up the Comic-Con thing, and they're like, listen, here's the process. You register, you get your hotel, you do this and that, and there are all these links, and I'm following, I'm like going down this rabbit hole of, oh my God, what is this? You know, what have I been missing all this time? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I thought it was just the same thing from other cons in other cities. San Diego took it to a whole new level, and you grew up with that. That's awesome. You know, what's crazy is I grew up with it so much that when I went to the one in 94, I think it was like 20 bucks to get in. And it was like, I remember it wasn't that big of a deal. And when you would leave, I still remember vividly, they had booths on the, at the exit and they were, they were asking you, Hey, do you want to register for next year for 20 bucks now? And I remember thinking back at how, how, how simple the process was before. Like you could walk up to it with wow. $20 and walk in and pay twenty dollars for the next year one and it was like so simple it was and then I don't, I don't know it's just i got to see as it got complex and complicated and everything that happened but yeah it it it, it, it sounds like it used to be like the other cons you know like all the smaller ones right yeah um so what got you started into going into comics going into uh video games and that got you to sit up and say one day hey i'm going to go to this convention and it's gonna and it's gonna be a thing at some point I didn't know it existed. I didn't know what it was. It was actually a field trip. That's what makes that's what makes me think a back. Field think trip. That, yeah, that's why I think it was 1993. That's exactly why I think it was because it was me and another friend of mine, and I think a few other students and a teacher that was into comics, and we had gone. And when we went, I wrote, I didn't know what I was getting into. They just say, "Hey, bring a backpack." <laughs> okay, <laughs> I brought a backpack, and I walked yeah. around. And you know, everybody's first impression is, "What is this?" But Back then, I remember the companies had, like, all the month issues that were printed out for the month at the table, and it would just say, take one. And it was like, oh, like, the whole Marvel booth was, like, every comic that was out for that month, DC was the same, and you would just stuff the backpack, stuff the backpack, you know. And then, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like year after year, those freebies just got thinner and thinner. Now they consider a freebie um, a flyer. (laughs) A flyer is a freebie now. But back then, you would get... I mean, I still got those comics in, like, boxes of, like, comics that they were just handing out back then. Yeah. Were so they, that's, that's, that's what got me into it. Were they big on the exclusives, or were they uh, just generic comics that you'd find in the shelves? They were the, from what I remember, they were the ones that they had on the shelves. I don't think it was that big yet. I don't okay. think, I don't remember it getting big, big. I, I didn't notice a change, I think, until X-Men 1, the first mm-hmm. X-Men movie. Mm-hmm. When okay. they, once that first movie hit, it was like, oh, wait, Hollywood goes to this thing? And it just seemed like all of a sudden just it just started getting more and more packed as more movies came out. All right. That is 
That that is awesome. So, all right, before, before, we, get, before we get too deep into, into this, because I, I see, you know, we're just picking up on the conversations we've had before and con memories. Um, want to appreciate uh, Retha Founder, Eddie P, um, RG Lee Freedom, everybody who's joining in. Uh, hey, be sure you ask questions, comments. I want to know what your Comic Con experiences are, um, what you remember. Um, let us know your if you got any little stories or favorite things about it, because everybody's got awesome experiences here with it. And I'm just going to drop this little comment here. Comic-Con experience. Let us know. Question mark. Boom. Post that up and pin it. All right. So we have here. Nastio, the 8-bit boy, uh, Comic-Con aficionado, yeah. um, entrepreneur, um, musician, creative, badass. Uh, this is the ADD experience, what I call um, the art design and development experience. It's a podcast that I started and I ended up rolling it over to Instagram mm -hmm. when I when I decided to start doing this whole Benjicon thing. Um, it was a, you know, during the con season, I would meet up with everybody and all of my friends and we talk about the new movies coming out, the new games coming out. I had friends who weren't even in San Diego sending me messages like, hey, can you go get a print from, you know, the artist of She? And I'm like, She? She who? It's like, no, S-H-I, you know, the, uh, you know, crazy samurai lit. Oh, oh, oh She, right, right, S-H-I, right. I didn't know what you were talking about. I was like, yeah, I gotta, I usually go there and blah, blah, blah. Hey, can you also pick up? So I had, I started getting all these requests, you know, and the whole vibe just started of connecting with people during Comic-Con and this whole season. So what I started doing is keeping that vibe together, even when I didn't go to the con or couldn't make it um, a little before, a little after. And it just became this thing. So I got online with Facebook. Uh, I got online just doing by, through an email newsletter. Mm. There were different variations of what I'm doing now. But at some point, I got... I got onto Instagram and connected with my friend Theo from the show versus business podcast. Cool. And, and Facebook was acting up and we jumped over on Instagram and it just kind of flowed a certain way. So I was like, you know what? We're doing Benjicon again this year, but we're doing it on, <laughs> you're doing it on Instagram. And that's how the creativity kind of happens. So, so glad you were able to join up and uh, pop through on this one. Um, you're definitely an interesting spirit. I want to talk to yeah, no, definitely. Like I said, thanks for having me. I actually remember, um, I think we were shooting a music video when me and you first bumped into each other. We were shooting, and it's on YouTube. It's the official Comic-Con music. Well, not the official. It's our official Comic-Con music video that we did for 2010. So if you look up 2010 Comic-Con music video, me and Kevin Ray did that. And okay. I don't know, you might be in it. I don't know if you knew. I think you thought we were taking a picture. <laughs> <laughs> that may have happened. <laughs> oh wow, that's that's cool. Um, so I uh, I remember that, and one of the reasons I was a little late starting up is when I was putting together your pictures. I was like, okay, there's that picture I took of him, uh, and I gotta have that just because of that. That was the that was the memory, right? Um, I was going through Comic Con, um, just like, hey, it's Wesley Snipes. Hey, it's the dude from. Hey, it's this guy. You know, I was just going crazy, snapping pictures yeah. of everybody. And at some point, the celebrity hunting, it was like, okay, celebrities are here. But there are also some really interesting people <laughs> just here, right? And 
you know, I'm from the video game world, you know, mm -hmm. a former designer, programmer, et cetera. And, you know, I saw you with the power glove on and I was like, I kind of passed like, hold the F up. Let me, let me, <laughs> let me stop and see who this is. Someone just rocking a power glove, you know? So I was like, Hey man, what's up? I forgot how the conversation went, but, but I remember us vibing and I was like, let me get a picture. Um, and yeah, even from that little moment, you know, kind of early on with the internet, uh, connecting, you know, connecting with people that you don't yeah. know on the internet, I was like, hey, man, you're a cool dude. Um, what's your name? I want to uh, make sure, you know, you get this picture back and everything. And it was boom, boom, boom. Um, and, yeah, it was, a, it was a good call because I was like, dude with the power glove just walking around throwing peace signs. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we had made a mixtape that year. It was the 2010 okay. mixtape to go along with the video. So we were shooting the video as we were handing out mixtapes. So we had printed mm -hmm. maybe like 100 or 200 mixtapes. And we were just handing them out. And I remember getting in trouble by security because we weren't like official comic kind. So we were uh, inside yeah. just handing them out, handing them out. And they had like the cool cover and everything. And I was rocking the glove. And yeah. So, so, yeah, we were like men on a mission back then getting them out there. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, yeah, I remember, um, you know how they uh, had the... Uh, the garbage cans and they would uh you know they'd have a the flat top and everything and like hey don't put anything on here um <laughs> there was one of these gar there was one of these garbage cans and i remember just like mm. clearing everything off the top of it it was like some comic-con stuff i cleared everything off the top of it put up some of my flyers opened up my backpack and was like hey eight bit cubists were the new shit ah you know it started doing that <laughs> and people were like, oh, wow, you seem official. And I'm like, no, I'm not, but okay, let's go. And I love that spirit, man. So I guess game recognized game right there. That's awesome. That's actually, and, and the clip of that is in that music video too. We got like a, a crowd around us as we're handing out CDs and all that. It was, it, was, yeah. it was cool times, man. It was definitely was. I actually didn't, you know, it was interesting. I think back then I didn't even really know what Nerdcore was. I didn't even know it was mm. a thing. Um, oh, so you were just doing it. I was doing it not knowing there was a scene, so I thought I was the weirdo. I thought I was the oddball because I grew up in a city where all the rap was aggressive or, like, gangster rap. So for me, I was like, I'm taking a big chance here. I don't think they're going to like this where I'm from. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I'm going to mm -hmm. do it. I'm going to do it anyway. So that's why yeah. 8-Bit Boy, the album, had a, an interesting fusion where it wasn't all the way nerdcore. It, yeah, like, yeah. it was like street with a little bit infused of that because I didn't know if they were ready for it. So I went there. And a friend of mine, I don't know if you uh, know Kristen Perez, uh, she she has a Game Meets Girl. It's like her blog and her website. And she's the one that told me, was like, hey, they're doing this concert, and it looks like a nerdy, nerdcore hip-hop style concert in San Diego. You should go. And I said, wait, wait, that's a thing? So then I go, <laughs> and that's where the first time I see, like, I think it was uh, Random was there. Uh, yeah. And, and, and uh, Lars and a few other guys were there. And I remember I walked in and they had all the arcades. I don't know if that yeah. was, I don't know if they had them on tour or if they were just there, but they had like '80s arcades everywhere. I saw merchandise everywhere. Yeah. We brought that. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. So yeah, yeah. It, it messed me up. I remember I saw the guys hit the stage and I'm thinking, how do, how does a crowd react to this? And then I just saw the crowd like animals to the music, and I'm like, wait, there's a scene for this? <laughs> it's kind of yes. like it's, it's it's almost like it's almost like a like a, a mutant in the Marvel universe thinking he's the only one. And then he bumps into the X-Men and you're like, wait, there's, like, there's a group. Oh, <laughs> there's all this. Yeah. Uh, messed me up completely. So, you know, I, I, ever since then, uh, 
a lot of respect for those guys because they definitely opened their own door. Yeah, totally. Um, when I when I ran into him, uh, gosh, it was um, yeah, Lars ran um, and uh, several others. Uh, Front a lot, I think, was there too. Um, I didn't meet Front a lot right away for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I missed meeting him. Um, but yeah, there, there were there were quite a few. Doctor Doc Awkward was the other mm-hmm. one I was thinking about. Um, so I was I was out on the once I hit the con scene, I was like, oh shit, all these ideas I have, there are people I can find. And that's what got me kind of into my whole marketing and networking thing uh, mm-hmm. from that early point. And I was jumping around, like meeting people, talking to people. And um, Raphael, I don't know if you ever met him in any of our uh, outings, but he used to come to those events too sometimes. Uh, he said, hey, there's somebody who's looking to meet you and likes what you're doing with the uh, the art and, you know, the video game art scene. And um, it wasn't just my art at the time. It was like a collective. I was bringing a lot of artists together. That's cool. And so he was like, hey, I know somebody who wants to meet you. And it was Aubrey from the, um, from the Marrow doing the Nerdcore Nights. Mm. And so we were like, we, we hooked up. We were like, oh, wow, this is cool. Let's, uh, let's talk about some things. And I, I started bringing art to the events. Um, the whole GamerCon thing with, with the 10th Street Theater, we pack up a bunch of retro machines, bring them out there to the show. So it, it started mm. this whole whirlwind of energy. And, and yeah, my, my mind was just blown. And that was part of my con experience early on. So this was so mind-blowing to me. And like you were saying, you know, being the weirdo, I had family members contact me like, Benjamin, what are you into? Um, you know, wh- where, where are you going with all of this? Uh, you're supposed to be out there doing work on computers. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> nope. Yeah, this is see, it, it was wild. And um, re- real quick, I just want to, uh, you know, thank everybody. Let's see, we got some responses here. Uh, Kingpin, didn't even know ADD experience stood for art design and development. Yes, we add experience in that arena. That's what we do here. Uh, what's the best Comic-Con you guys went and what year? Uh, hmm. Do you have an answer for that one? Best no, it's Comic-Con? Me- it's messed up because they got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I hate to say the first one because I think everybody probably feels their first was their best. But for me, it felt that way because it was more intimate. Like, hmm. there was a point where, what's his name, Matt, Matt Groening from The Simpsons? Yeah, he he was he was there and accessible. You could just walk up to him at the table and and ask him to draw you something. And he drew me a Bart Simpson and a Homer Simpson. Like yeah, yeah, you were just able to walk up to people. So I think those early cons were were special, being that the lines weren't really a big deal. You, right. It seemed it seemed like people were genuinely there for the books and genuinely there for the art. So they weren't there for the celebrity factor back then. At least that's what it felt like. Yeah, I got the, I get that experience too in a different way because by the time I got there, there was a fair amount of celebrity, and I think that I saw the turnover when Hall H and the Marvel movies became a thing. Man. Because I remember hearing about Iron Man and was like, okay, whatever, you know. I mean, it's another <laughs> it's it's going to be another Marvel movie. I'm I'm cool with it and I want to see that, but I didn't know the gravity of the situation that was bubbling up. So yeah, when they started showing all these, you know, you know, high profile actors and production companies and they're putting all this money behind it, but it's still kind of accessible. You know, I'm like, wow, okay, this is crazy. This is wild. 
it's it's starting to spread outside the convention center mm-hmm. and it, you know it was it was still kind of fun and then it turned over um and i can't remember what year exactly but i think my best year was when um we were doing we did a video game show um down at an art show at the 10th street theater and we had we had a Tiny Nightmare, um, L Gun Ligro, uh, mm. MC, MC Lars, and um, oh gosh, I forgot his name. Oh, sorry. Uh, we had we had another rapper. We had him do come through the art gallery, and they were checking it out. And they did a freestyle session in the art gallery. Oh, that's dope. And yeah, I have a link to that. Um, I'll actually uh, repost it to the Eight Bit Cubist account. Um, I'll, so I'll, I'll get that and repost it up and link you to it because that was it, it, it was fire. But it was just creativity and mm-hmm. on a new level. And that's when I think I connected with it, not just as a fan, but as a participant and a fan. Uh, don't know what year that was, but that was my that was my favorite experience there. I feel like I heard about that particular thing that you guys put together. I feel like that was something that I either saw, might have walked past, something. It, it, it the names all ring a bell for something yeah. like. Yeah, we um we had a you know this was it was the downtown time and people mm-hmm. downtown at the current time before it was crossing over into the Marvel thing, they still kind of didn't. I don't want to say like, but they were like more annoyed by Comic-Con than anything. <laughs> it's like, it's like, okay, I have a fancy restaurant and here comes Superman and Lobo and they're going to sit down and eat in my restaurant. You know, are you kidding me? But okay, whatever. You know, they kind of tolerated everybody, but they didn't get yeah. it. They, they didn't get the gravity of it. So at that time we had this, um, we had access to the 10th Avenue, uh, 10th street theater. And we were like, hey, you got space up here. You mind if we do an art show? There's going to be a this and that. And, you know, we put together this whole thing. And they're like, oh, yeah, we want to use our space. We want people to get involved in the theater. And in the back of my head and our heads, we're like, yeah, I'm not so much thinking about theater and, you know, uh, the classical kind of plays and things that they were doing. We want to do some, you know, video game plays. We want to do a presentation. We want to do panels and things like that. And they didn't really know what they were getting into because they didn't know the con vibe that was happening Mm. at the time. So, yeah, we put on that event. It went crazy. Um, People were just like, you know, hey, uh, it's going to take me a while to get down to the con. And I'm on Twitter like, hey, it's going to take you a while to come down to the con. On your way down there, past the parking lot, stop by the 10th Street Theater. Uh. And, And I was just I was just gritty and grimy on Twitter, just hitting up everybody. Boom, 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 boom. And, you know, it's early Twitter and everything. And somebody's like, oh, wait, they're actually responding to me uh, about something I said with this SDCC hashtag. Mm. Okay, sure. I'll stop by. And, yeah, it got crazy. But that was my that was my favorite year. And, um, yeah, I, I got, I'll post the link up. That's it was awesome. Definitely, man. I was, you know, Comic Con 94. Five, maybe ninety five, ninety six was the first time I saw the Sony, the Sony PlayStation, man. Yeah, I saw the they were like debuting the PlayStation at Comic Con, so it must have been ninety five, and they had it there. And I remember getting my mind blown by Parappa the Rapper for the first time. <laughs> I was like, "What is this?" 
Oh, the onion head rap guy. I forgot his name. Oh, uh, man. Chop, chop, onion. Chop, master. chop, yeah. Man, that never left my memory. The seeing, <laughs> seeing Parappa, and it's crazy seeing Parappa's making a comeback now because of a game called Friday Night Funkin'. You heard of that? Haven't heard of that one. A bunch of kids are playing it. It's a music game. It's a on the. It's like an Android PC kind of game that you can play in music. Okay. So because of that game, uh, like kids are now being introduced to Um Jammer Lammy and Parappa the Rapper. Yeah. Because it's a similar type game. And mm-hmm. they're getting they're getting hooked on it, and now they're just discovering those other music games from before. So, but I, I it just it takes me back because I remember that was the first time I saw a lot of the regular PS One games. Uh, what Battle Arena Toshinden? I remember that messed me up seeing that. Dang! Yes, yes. <laughs> Old school, man. That's classic. All right, we got Eddie P over here. Um, he's going to be on uh, later this week. He says, one time I went to the Batman booth and asked for a little art on a postcard from the guy at the booth. And he says it isn't an animator. Uh, but he drew a Batman for me and signed it. Kevin Conroy. That's, see, that kind, <laughs> that kind, of, that kind of stuff can only happen, you know. <laughs> like, like, how rare is that drawing? Yeah. Saw, saw a guy at a booth. It's like, hey. What's up, booth guy? You um, Batman for me? Yeah, I actually did something like that once where the line was too long. So I just kind of stood next to another booth and was like, hey, who are you? You know, hey, what's up? How you doing? Find something, put it in my uh, backpack or my ob- obnoxiously large bag, you know, at the time. And then just go about my business and later on find out it's from somebody awesome. Kevin Conroy, that's pretty amazing, Eddie. Beyond cool. <laughs> uh, Jay Kingpin uh, for me it was a great vibe of people in Hall H trying to get into the Game of Thrones and Naughty Dog panels yep yeah. oh you know that's an interesting point for a lot of people that couldn't get into E3 it was a closed industry event a lot of people that couldn't get into E3 or couldn't make it out to uh, PAX or Penny Arcade Expo or any of the bigger video game productions, Comic-Con was that entryway for for the public, for the non-game industry public, to get in and see video games, to see these mm-hmm. demos, to meet with the developers and things. So, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of interesting because I was used to it, but how mm-hmm. did that ex- how did that experience hit you? Because uh, I don't I don't know. Maybe you were into industry events, but I don't know. It- it was the first for me. I mean, I did smaller cons in the area. There was one at the Scottish Rite Center here in San Diego that would happen every few months. But mm-hmm. I went to E3 because I was a manager at GameStop for a while downtown in Horton Plaza. So okay. because of that, I, was, I had access to it. And an interesting story, I actually wrestled Roddy Roddy Piper at E3. Done. Like, Done. So, this, is, this, is me, this is me being too arrogant too cocky for my own good. There was a line to just get an autograph by Roddy Piper. This is bad. This ends really bad. So I go up to Piper, and he was doing just an autograph session, and he had already retired by then. So then I go go up to him, and I'm like, hey. And I leaned in, and I was like, hey, um, how about one more match, old man? One more at a a retirement. And he, like, looked at me, and he, like, laughed. And then I'm like, look, I'll even lay down flat on my back. I'll let you put a foot on my chest and I'll still kick out and pin you. One more. 
And he was like, all right. He gets up. And mind you, this is in front of a lot of people. So he goes, all right, I'll take you on. Get down. So I'm like, oh. So I get down on the floor. Yeah. I'm like, cool. So he's putting his foot, like, on my chest. And I'm like, oh, this is yeah. a cool photo op. So my brother's recording this on, like, an old-school CD recorded. Oh, wow, wow, right. Yeah. So he's recording it. I'm on my back thinking, this is cool. And then Piper looks at me and he goes, you ready? I'm ready. And I see Piper's foot go up. And, bro, his foot went down on my gut. It went boom. But, I mean, like, he really did it. He really, yeah, like, yeah. He really stomped my stomach. This it is a automat- shit, boy. <laughs> yeah, it automatically made my feet go up without me wanting them to. Yeah. And, he, and all he did was he let himself drop as my feet were already up and he just hooked them. And the yeah. whole crowd went, one, two. <laughs> and I'm trying, bro. I'm trying. I'm like, this is not happening. No. He's a one, oh. two. Ah, everybody erupts. Piper helps me back up. He gets me up, puts my head in the headlock, gives me a hug. And I'm like, yo, this is a cool, cool guy. That's Amazing. Amazing. That's- that's man wild. Oh my gosh. Yes, this is what I'm talking about, man. People who have been around and just <laughs> experienced these things. That is excellent. Man, I am 0 and 1 in a pro wrestling career <laughs> with a lot to Roddy Roddy Piper. And that's okay. Yeah, okay. So uh Roddy Piper was there. I guess there was a game um he was promoting. It might have been Legends of Wrestling on PS2 at the time. Okay. It might have been that game. Because I remember Jerry Lawler was there signing autographs, too. I didn't challenge right, him. Right. <laughs> I challenged Piper. But, you know, I thought, I don't I don't remember how old I was. But, like I said, I think my arrogance got the best of me. And I, I'll give it to Piper. He was a good sport. And it's uh, I got it on video somewhere. Yeah. See, that's, you know, it's really important um, just to get into the whole seeing creators for who they are. You know, I think when it gets too big or too blown out of proportion, you can't mm-hmm. really relate to them as people. But when it's a real small thing, um, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Uh, there's there's a guy who used to uh, run a he had a late night talk show, and he was standing outside of Hall H. And I forgot his name, mm. but I was like, "Hey, guy, what's going on?" Um, I I didn't remember his <laughs> name. I, I don't remember his name now, but I remembered his name and called him. I was like, hey, how you doing? I wasn't trying to be too loud. didn't want excess attention. And I was like, hey, what's going on? You enjoying yourself? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's really packed, and I got to get going. And they said a guy left, so I may be able to get his seat. So, you know, I'm not trying to cause any ruckus here. I'm like, no, no, you're a cool dude. And, and we just started talking and chatting it up. And as I said, this, this was on the verge of when it became crazy. And these celebrities weren't afraid of, you know, these Comic-Con misfits and, you know, uh, people in their inhalers, you know, that's what it kind of, I'm making a joke about it, but you know what I mean? They, they they weren't intimidated by the crowd at this time and they could just, you know, Wesley Snipes was walking through, you know, and like, Hey, how's it going? And it's like, cool, man. Cool. Little bit of a crowd, not too crazy. Mm -mm. Very, very manageable. They didn't Um, need any type of security back then. They would just walk around like it was nothing. Right, exactly. So in that moment, um, so you had been doing, I guess you had been doing music before and you mm-hmm. brought it to the con or how did you get into music and creating like that? 
So we're talking like, it's, it's really interesting because I had a, a, a random calling. I wasn't really into music in high school or anything. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really all that into it. And I was just channel surfing one day, saw a music video on scrolling past BET and it happened to be Master P's Make Em Say uh, out of all videos. And Mystical was on the basketball hoop yeah. rapping. And I looked at my brother and I said, Bouncing. I don't know what this yeah. is. I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to do it one day. <laughs> And, and uh, we started talking, and, I, and it was weird because it was like we went into plan mode. I was like, you look, I don't write, I don't rap, I don't do any of this stuff. How long do you think it would take us to get to this level of, like, putting something out? So we started calculating what, how long it would take to actually do something like that. So we gave ourselves five years. I was like, in five years, I, if, I, if I practice at this thing, I'll be good enough to release something. So I, you know, I went through buying. If you remember when CDs used to come out uh, at the warehouse in Circuit City and all that, so I, to me, that was my homework. I would go there every new release Tuesday or I think it was or Tuesday or Friday. Yeah, and I would just Tuesday. Get, right. Whatever CDs you guys have that are new, that are good. I want them. And I was getting them just to study um, like the, the texture of, of the voices, the patterns, the way they wrote the beat. And I was studying them like you would study a profession. And I was really trying to figure out a cadence or like what they were doing. And it was like CD after CD after CD for like years, CD after CD after CD. And I was I, I wasn't even thinking about a style yet, and it yeah. just developed into something over time. Um, but that's how I got started. Then I put a group together here in San Diego, um, a guy named The Beezy, a guy named Hustle Max. So we started as a three-man group. Then there was a guy named Mac Villain, who was already an established rapper in San Diego. So uh, Mac Villain yeah, had two that. albums out at the time. Yep, he was doing his thing, and I approached him about doing a group together. So he became the fourth member of that group. Um, fast forward to today, you know, I mean, we released a group album. I released my album. And as of last year, me and Mac Villain became 50-50 business partners with my label, Sky Tower Records. And we just signed a deal, which gives us distribution through Virgin Music in the United States and Universal Music Group uh, internationally. So uh, nice. this just this, this just happened as of like last year, um, October. And we just released our first artist that we signed, Kevin Ray. You might have seen me promoting Kevin Ray's music. Mm-hmm. We just released him uh, the last week of April, I believe. So now we're, now it all came full circle, and now we're about to release a brand new group project. After all these years, now we're coming back to that. So all all within all of that, um, yeah. it, it was more like the street sound or like the more aggressive music. And then somewhere in there, once we all started doing solo projects, like that that memory reminded me of what I used to do when I was a kid. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I used to hook up a regular Nintendo with the AV cables with the yellow wire and, yes, the, and yes. the... No, not the yellow, the white and the red one into my dad's cassette player, and I would get a regular cassette, and I would turn on the game that I wanted, yeah. make sure I didn't press anything, I didn't want anything interfering with it, and I just wanted to capture the music. Yes. I, didn't know, I didn't know video game music would eventually be a thing, but yep. when all my friends were listening to regular music on the radio, regular hip-hop albums or whatever, back then, even before I started doing that, the, my very first thing I fell in love with was video game music, and everyone thought I was weird for that. Yeah. So it came full circle and thought, everybody always says, in hip-hop, you have to keep it real. You have to keep it real. Yeah. Like, well, well, for me, that is that, keeping it real. So oh. I'm going to find a way to infuse that somehow. That's a, that's awesome. And I I remember, and this is this is great, I'm getting the creative side, and your story is a little interesting because it, it seems like it started more from a, um, I don't want to, I don't want to say, uh, 
a business side, but you're structuring, you know, a lot of people start with the creative, mm -hmm. the artsy part, and then end up with the structure to make that art go somewhere. You said, you know, well, here's something. It's like, well, hey, let's get the platform for out of the way first, and we can just kind of create what we want. Um, that's very cool. And uh, it's, I totally respect that. And um, I think that that uh, what you just said reminded me of how I was looking at video games. Um, I was listening to video games, watching them, playing them. And uh, I think, you know, from some of my posts, I'm into music too. And I remember looking for video games that had the sound effects test in the mm, options. Yes. So, so you'd find a video game, you'd go to the options, and it's like SFX test. And, you know, you just oh, go yeah. through all the, all the punches, the explosions. The Capcom was good for that. Capcom exactly. did it. Exactly. I, I totally love that when I could find that game because I, d I did a similar thing. Um, I had my old busted Hewlett Packard, um, you know, uh, 386 something. And I, I bought a sound blaster card and I remember oh. it had the, it had the little AV plugins. So I did something similar and it's funny. My mother, uh, I was the, I was the weird one kind of out of the family and my brothers would always be like, man, why are you messing with the TV? We're trying to watch something. And I'm like pulling apart wires, like, hold on. I need to borrow the Super Nintendo. Yeah. I, bring it, I bring it into, you know, the room with the computer and everything. And my dad's like, son, I'm going to need to use the computer. Well, what are you doing? I got to print something up. And I'm like, hold on, dad. Hold on. I got the sound effects card. And like four hours later, you know, I have the computer open and wires everywhere. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I did a similar thing where I was plugging up the, uh, the audio um, cause I figured out that you could actually kind of make that work. And I would record with a window, the very basic windows audio recorder. You could record straight in through the sound effects card. And that's how I was getting my early sound effects. Just go through the SFX test and hit record on my, my little Packard bell 386 until the memory ran out. Man. And that must've took up a lot of memory back then. Cause those devices didn't have that much memory. Uh, exactly. So, you know, I'd record what I could and then save it off to the little floppy disk, you know, three and a half inch, you know, and just, I, I just had like stacks of discs, like Street Fighter, Dalsim Sounds, you know, uh, Blanca or uh, UN Squadron, whatever game, you know. Um, so, yeah, it, it was funny. I, so I'm glad other people have that experience, too. That's awesome. Yeah, that's it. that's what got me into it. Um, but but let me ask you this: Maybe you have an answer for this. I I still like playing my games on hardware, on the retro hardware. Mm -hmm. And I had to go buy a CRT recently, a CRT television, because it's just not cutting it on HD televisions. It's just not. I tried playing. Um, it it's like it sometimes it's like a half a second lag. Yeah. But it's enough for my brain to say this is not how it feels. This is not how the way it's supposed to play. Um, I was playing Umjammer Lammy recently. Yeah. And I, I had to learn to play bad to play the game properly because hmm. of the lag. I had to, like, right, right as the music was playing, and yeah. before it would get to the icon, I had to start pressing the buttons purposely two or three, like like maybe like a second before musically it's supposed to happen. Right, and it was like it was almost like tricking your brain to be off rhythm, to be on rhythm, to get to the past the game. 
Yeah. And after a yeah. while, I was like, I'm getting a headache. This is not worth it. I got far. Yeah. But I'm like, I literally went out just to go buy a CRT television like a week ago yeah. just to get somewhat further in the game. But do you know of a solution to this? So uh, uh, a solution. Um, Besides the know, CRT television. Uh, yeah, I was saying, you know, I, I would personally. These games were developed with that technology in mind. Um, at the time, they didn't have so many layers of, you know, hey, well, I'm going to create something in, you know, uh, I'm going to create something in uh, a version of BASIC that's going to recompile to Windows or C Sharp or whatever, and mm -hmm. it's going to bubble down to the Windows layer, and that's going to be translated into the DirectX layer. They didn't have all of these things that just translated for you. They pretty much had to talk directly to the hardware. So knowing that, they would take CRTs, and even with, like, the, the visuals, they're saying, okay, if these couple pixels match up this way, when I put it on a CRT, it kind of blurs and fuzzies and gives me a different look than the, the literal visual comprehension of what you would get from, like, a HD screen. So that's why the visuals don't look as interesting on a newer TV than they did on the old one. They're exactly. kind of they're kind of expecting the blur effect, like when you run across the screen. They're kind of expecting the fuzziness mm -hmm. around the edges. So when they made that art, it was um, they were writing to the medium itself, and makes perfect sense. It's really difficult to translate writing directly to that medium because it's physical. You know, it's like yeah, you're dealing with the CRT and the cathode ray tube technology was different from what you would expect with all these different software layers and yeah, it, nobody, nobody's thinking of how, would, how does this look on a Samsung TV? They, it just, you just kind of kick it out and you're like, okay, yeah, that's what I was expecting now. So your my solution, uh, find a good CRT that's not too heavy and won't fall over and break. Um, oh. but <laughs> <laughs> I had, I had a cost the one I just got, I just, just got it. And, um, it, it was crazy. It had its, it had its own issues, so that's out now. So I'm now I'm on the hunt for a new CRT. All right. So <laughs> let me ask you this: you you're interesting to me because you found a way to roll your your creativity and your entrepreneurship kind of together as one. And I see you having fun with entrepreneurship, marketing, mm -hmm. sales, branding, etc. Uh, in a way that I don't see. For a lot of creators, you know, myself in a lot of ways included, it's actually work. It feels like a headache. It's a burden. But you seem to have a lot more fun with the marketing, sales, branding side of things. Um, how did you? How do you? How do you feel that in your head? Or can you give us any insights on that? I would have to blame Master P again mm -hmm. because I saw. To me, it looked like he was having fun doing business and somehow the music too. Now, I will say P was not the most talented artist, but it's, he surrounded himself by a lot of great talent. But it seemed like he was having a blast. And yeah. to me, I just gravitated towards that. And even now when I think about it, because now I read books on business and personal development, I didn't realize what was making me gravitate towards his music is that he was hiding a lot of that in the lyrics. Like, now you yes. go back and listen yes. to it. Even though everybody else on the music was rapping about drugs and street hustling, P was slipping in personal development stuff in there, and I didn't realize why I was gravitating towards his style. Mm 
Yeah. You know, even back then. So now that I go back and listen to it, I was like, you know, he was really, really <laughs> trying to give you the formula. <laughs> yeah. You were yeah. listening. Yeah. Right. So I think that influenced me a lot. And then if you looked at the No Limit CDs back then mm-hmm. and you went through them, it was like he had no limit cell phones, no limit clothing, no limit shoes, yeah. no limit. I'm like, that, oh, my God. That was wild to me. Um, and we're past the CD era, so it's hard to explain this to people. But when you got the CD, you would open it up <laughs> and you'd have the album art, the credits, you know, maybe maybe lyrics, mm. depending on the artist or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, OK, cool. That's a very artistic representation of the music you're trying to put forth. I thank you for your artistic contribution you got a master p album it was like hey listen i'm master p of no limit records um we also do this this and this yeah uh, we've got these t-shirts make sure you check us out uh we're from new orleans louisiana blah 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 here's the address to our studio and i'm like wait what is all this this is yeah. <laughs> that messed me up and it was like he it was like he looked at cds and artists and treated them like comic books because at the end of a comic book mm. you knew what the next comic book was or who the next mm. heroes were yes yeah no limit it was like master p and you opened it and it was like by the way then you took the shockers coming out then you see murders coming out then you snoop dogs yeah. coming out then you and you were like it's just like comics and you were like wait yeah. so let me let me get these that he's advertising and then you would get those and it yeah. would connect to like other ones, and it, it yeah. felt just like collecting comics. But I used to have a stack of all those CDs. Yeah, a to- totally. I mean, you know, um, I was born in New Orleans. I don't know if you realize that. Man, I didn't so know. I didn't connect with Master P right away because uh, he wasn't in my top five rappers, right? Of course. Um, <laughs> but he ends up now in my top five of just influential artists yep. or, you know, characters or whatever. And I remember I got on him. And I was having a, a Comic-Con session, you know, the early versions of Benjicon, right? Where me, uh, Raphael, Jeff, Marcellus, Josh, a whole bunch of us would be sitting around. Um, uh, not Josh Moreno, uh, Josh Lang, by the way. Thanks for stopping by, Moreno. Uh, we'll talk to him later in the week also. But um, I was, we were sitting around just, you know, playing music, you know, having some, having some beers, uh, talking noise about creativity. And I think at one moment, you know, um, Raphael was kind of like just staring at the ceiling and he's like, I don't really get this music and I don't get the art style, you know, the pen and pixel graphics that they used to mm-hmm. use. So I don't really get this, but they're really doing something interesting. And this is, these are the creative discussions we'd have, right? And we were like, yeah, yeah. And we kind of went on to the next subject and he's like, no, 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 hold on, let's go back to Master P, put that back in. And we're like, okay. It's like, no, there's something here, guys. And we just kept on playing and vibing off of it. And suddenly he just like stops and is like, wait a minute. It's no limit records. It's no limit. This guy's on some other positivity yeah. building kick. And you know, and we're all looking at him, you know, drinking beers like, yeah, no limit. That's that's the point. And we, you know, <laughs> you know, because we were used to the music at the time, but we didn't take it as anything. Um unique but when i saw it you know ping in someone else's head i was like oh that's how the art looks to somebody who's not familiar with the area not familiar with the music Mm -hmm. who it's it's just not their vibe at all and it gave us a whole different appreciation so um you know I, i i love that you had that appreciation early uh you were able to see a different way of creativity and having fun with it all and you kind of blended that into your music, as you said, coming through. So, um, 
with, with that, you uh, you also have the Sky Tower click. Yep, that's the group I was talking about. Actually, I have a little canvas that I don't know if you can see it here. That's the group right there. Boom, got a canvas. So that's Mac okay. Villain, Hustle Mac, and then obviously myself. That um, That's probably coming out September for the new group album that's coming out. Um, when I do that style, originally it was like, like I said, it was more street style for me. Those guys still stuck to that style. But for myself, I started incorporating a little bit of the nerdcore into this, even though it doesn't fully match. So I'm finding ways of doing like um, stuff that has double meaning that it can sound street, but if you know the nerdcore stuff or you understand gaming, then you'll know I'm talking about a whole nother thing, even though it sounds like I'm talking about another thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I try to find a way to like play that to where no one really feels alienated. Like both styles will just hear it and just take it for what it is. No, no, I, I get it. It's like Photoshop, man. Layers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with um with your it, currently we're kind of you know in this pandemic we're in this weird time with media marketing uh, putting ourselves out there. What do you? Um, I'll, I'll go with this part. With the Comic-Con at home, um, you were one of the people that, you know, kind of, you, you embraced it. And uh, I, I, totally. loved, I loved seeing those pictures. I was like, oh, this is great. He's got the blue and yellow balloons. Man, oh. I, I still got part of the exhibit hall. <laughs> I, I yes. still haven't even taken it down yet. You know, I still got that. I, I still got um, just about everything. Last year's badge, this year's badge, like, Everything, even from the announcements. I don't know if you could, if you saw that you could do that. I had a Bluetooth speaker set up outside, so when my daughter and family came over, um, I had it had the official Comic Con announcements that they play at the at the convention center. So I turned it up, and it was like, "Welcome to San Diego Comic Con!" And it was like, as you come in, you know, show your badges. Well, like every announcement that they had, I was playing. I was obnoxiously playing all of them. I even had my room set up as the exhibitor hall, so there was an announcement. The exhibitor yeah. hall will be opening momentarily. The exhibitor hall is not open, so I was doing all of it. As much That's as I great. could like, make it feel like Comic Con, I was trying to do it. You are making very good memories for your family. That is excellent, man. I really... that's Appreciate that. that. That's the kind of stuff, you know, my dad used to do that, and I didn't take it as seriously um, as a kid. When I was like, yeah, whatever, dad's just doing something. But then later on in life, you know, I start to start to realize how special some of these things were. Like, so I, I think you're, you know, making a mark, uh, making a mark on your kid um, and definitely your family. And there's people online who are seeing it. That's it's really important, man. I, I, so I applaud you for that. Appreciate it. I even tried thinking about treating my home as the convention center. And I remember, well, look, the Marriott has its own exhibit hall, and then um, Petco Park has its own. Why don't I do that? So then we did the Comic-Con at home thing last year when everything was closed, but I I realized that comics and stuff was still open. So I said, well, let's get in the car. We're going to go to the comics and stuff exhibit hall. So then I drove Mm -hmm. down there with my daughter, and we walked around comics and stuff in El Cajon, and then then it really did feel like Comic-Con because the comics were all out, all the plushies, all the stuff that you would normally see there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Barnes and Noble did the same thing. Barnes and Noble had a Comic Con from home area, and they actually had some signage for Comic Con at home. So I was like, well, then let's go to the Barnes and Noble Exhibitor Hall. So then we would go yeah. over there, treating it the exact same way you would downtown, going to different places. I figured 
I'll use my house as the hub and find how I can recreate going to different exhibit exhibit halls, just driving a little bit and just connecting it all. That's that's pretty awesome, dude. That is uh that's some that's some next level creativity. And I, it, it starts to get obvious when your creativity isn't a job. It's just stuff that kind of happens like, hey, well, let's do it this way or, hey, let's add this or let's build this out. And it becomes um, a fun and creative part of your whole energy and vibe. That's excellent, man. That's excellent. Now, do you, um, with the Comic-Con at home, um, do you uh, jump in any of the other events like uh, fandom? Do you uh, connect with, um, I, I don't know, there are other event, quote unquote events kind of happening online. I don't know. How, how do you keep track of those? So what I was doing, for example, in the in my living room, I had the uh, what would be considered all the panels, like the I guess the Hall H panel. So I would have the Comic Con channel running live mm-hmm. the whole time in the living room. So if there was like a Simpsons panel that was happening, I would connect with whatever Comic Con itself was doing. So I was trying to, and then I think in my room for a while, I I don't know if you knew this, they had an um, the anime lineup. Like the just like at the convention center where you go upstairs and they have anime like yeah. later in the afternoon, they had that too. I think you can can connect it to like Funimation or Crunchyroll, and it was already set up to the movies they want to play for Comic Con. So I had that going in the room. So I try to connect either if it was panels or experiences. I would look at uh, whatever they already had programmed and just try to like sync it to work at my place. Nice. Have you ever um, have you ever run into any of the Comic Con management or uh, brass? No, well, I used to volunteer a lot, mm-hmm. um, but when I was younger, but I I haven't reconnected with anybody. I can't <laughs> say I, I know too many people up in like okay. management. So the reason I the reason I say that is because um I was a, uh, I think the Comic Con at home experience is a great one. It's I think it's it really makes sense for them to do it that way because mm-hmm. one time I was trying to. Um, get a booth in artist alley. And then there was a chance that I may have been able to split a booth with a, a guy and I'll, and he was like, yeah, I can't use the whole booth, but you know, Comic-Con says that you can actually register and we can split a booth. And I was like, Oh, you know, then I don't, I don't know what the policy says. And he's like, eh, policy. I mean, eh, it's Comic-Con, you know, as I said, it, this was kind of still the early, early part of it. Right. So it was a little flexible and we were talking and he's like, well, we'll figure this whole thing out. You need to figure out if you're going to split the booth or do the artist alley or whatever. So I was like, cool, this is my way into the Comic-Con umbrella and all that. And I was filling out forms and things. And I was like, you know what? If this form gets there and then it's like the next day, the guy looks at it and he doesn't get a chance to, I won't run past the deadline, but I need to get it in there early so I can get this process flowing. You know how that is sometimes. Yeah. And stuff towards the deadline, just they'll just stamp it with a no because you're close to the deadline. And they can't work it out. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be safe with this. I know how these processes go. I'm going to pack up my stuff in Oceanside, get all my forms, print everything out that I had on the website, and run down to the Comic-Con offices. Mm. I'd never been there before. And I kind of roll up into this friendly little neighborhoody area like behind a strip mall and past the taco shop and i'm like hmm. this isn't what i was expecting for the corporate offices of the san diego comic-con 
it's it's very friendly, low, you know, um, you know, low expectation kind of area. Nothing, no mm. fancy office park. Um, but I'm like, you know what? I've seen things hidden away before. Maybe this is that situation. You know, I walked down the sidewalk, across the little pebble stone area, and just walked into this place. And it reminded me of those like uh, dentist offices or something that are kind of, <laughs> kind of like in a home area. You know what I mean? Where it's like yeah. it looks like houses slash offices but you know it's very friendly i was like okay this is weird um there's no buzzer i just kind of walked in the front door and there's just a bunch of people sitting around in, in a room you know casually talking sipping on uh, coffee or whatever and they're like hey how's it going how can i help you no secretary it was just a random person you know just kind of like hey how can i help you <laughs> and i was like oh um Listen, I was trying to get this thing fixed up with the artist alley, and guys like, mm, oh, hold on, let me put my coffee down. Uh, Sandra, come over here. And you know, this lady just comes out, and she's like, you know, laughing about some joke they were telling in the back room, and she's like, "What's going on?" And it's it's so impossibly friendly and personable that I was I got a new respect for Comic Con. I was like, "Oh my god." That's awesome. This is I don't want to call it a mom and pop operation because it's yeah. a serious venture, but this is the vibe that made Comic Con really pop off as a friendly kind of home stop hometown event mm. where you know you felt that um that natural nature of the event that wasn't, you know, so corporate. You know, a lot of people yeah. are putting together cons to be a corporate thing. Yeah. They I saw the love here, man. I saw like like comics, like just in stacks, just like not like nice comics in in binders and your you know your long boxes or whatever. Oh, I mean like I'm reading comics and they're in a stack over here, like and I was just like, yo, these dudes sit around and read comics, like read them. They're all chewed up and everything, you know. It's like legit. So I'm in this just kind of friendly environment, and the guy's like, yeah, so. uh so what's going on? I'm like, well, I know you're busy. I know you got a lot of time. So what I'm trying to do is, no, 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 calm down, calm down. What's, what's your name? What are you trying? Okay, have a seat. You know, let's talk. And it was just very calm and orderly. I don't know. They had to have had a ton of stuff going on, but they sat down and actually vibed mm -hmm. with me. So that totally blew my mind. And the con thing. This is, and as I said, this is all happening at this time when I'm building my creative flow and I'm talking to all these people. So I get humbled in terms of how effective that personal connection can be, how effective that friendship can be. And, mm. you know, the, the corporate side can kind of rub up against people the wrong way and it turns into a machine. So I'm sitting here listening to them talk. The guy um, explains, you know, here's the process. Here's what we'll do. Um, we'll actually put you on the program if we can, you know, like an addendum or something. Right. Um, you know, and he's like, Hey, listen, we just want to make sure everybody has a good time. Show up. We'll make sure you get the full, uh, badges for all the days. And, you know, we're going to make sure we try to take care of you. You know, if you need anything, your name will be on a list. So, you know, we may not be able to give you the full con experience, but I'm sure somebody will drop out. I'm sure this will happen. And I was like, right. This is the most. This is the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced at this high of a level. You know, usually when something gets that that grand, you lose the humanity. Yeah, and I agree with that. So that's what I was getting from wow. them, and they took my information, put it in a Manila folder, 
wrote some notes on the front. And then what was funny to me is like they didn't have a formal process. They just like, you know, move something on someone's desk and put it down. And they're like, they'll definitely get that. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, will they? It's just sitting right there. I mean, you know, I like, <laughs> okay. What if they put comics on top of it? How will I be? It's like, no, no, no. We, we look at all the stuff on our desk. It's very important to us. I'm like, all right. So I totally get the, I've, I've never told that story, you know, really before. Um, but it was a mark that was left on me with the whole Comic-Con mm. experience. And I'm glad that people like you um, and some of the other guests here are keeping that vibe going on, you know, just connecting with people, the humanity of it all. Um, that sounded more epic than I me meant it to, but, you know, just, just keeping that vibe going on. I think it's important. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Appreciate it, man. It's been a blast. You know, I can't wait. Supposedly we'll see if we, they do the, the special edition in November. Right. That's right. What I've been hearing about. So tell us about that real quick. I heard some things about it, but you can go ahead. I hear, I hear, I hear rumblings, but from what my understanding is that in November, it's going to be like a weekend event and it's going to be official. I think they made the announcement. I caught like the tail end of it, mm -hmm. but I don't think tickets are on sale. So I don't know how they're going to do it yet. But my understanding is going to be a two day Comic Con official at the convention center in November. Yeah. It's going to be called Special Edition. So it's not the official one that would have happened. It's just like a bonus track. And then next year we'll be back to back to business. Bonus track. I like the sound of that. Yeah, man. Um, so you've got to let us know about anything um, you're doing right now. I want to make sure that I catch all your, um, your your current vibe and what people should know about what's going on with Nastio. Okay. So there'll be a new album at some point next year. Right now the album is called RAD, R-A-D. It stands for Research and Development. So that's going to be the sequel, the spiritual, or the actual sequel to 8-Bit Boy. So it's the upgrade that, that I'm going to have. But for that album, it's going to be now a deep dive on Nerdcore. So I'm going to go ahead for that album, finally just go all in um, and just, re just really just follow that vibe, that energy. Um, we'll also be releasing a new album by Mac Villain. And you saw a little bit of New High Score. That's something also yes. that, that I want to... That we got one song done. I'm still working with Delano Sounds on that. Um, I think it's going to be an EP at the moment. I also reached out to an artist in Japan about doing kind of like a, a small comic, like almost like a prelude to the album that's going to talk about a little bit about what the album's going to be about. Okay, yeah. Let me let me know. Um, keep me informed. And, you know, I'll be sure to push it out however I can and however is appropriate. So we'll make that happen. And, um, that's awesome. One one last one last thing. I want to make sure I I kind of ask this question to everybody that comes on. Um, with the current media landscape, with the current situation we're in, with interactivity, connecting, um, being more responsible for our own creativity, what do you think that creatives and or um, you know, I think everybody's a creative, first of all. Mm -hmm. What do you think creatives and or business types need to be trying to do in this new era where we're more responsible for our own media presence? Well, it, 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 it's it's kind of complicated, but I will say, like, for myself, I, I follow my heart. Um, I don't purposely create music to 
single out or purposely offend or attack people per se. I'm taking people on a personal adventure or whatever that's going on in my mind. So I, I, I feel like even if it's aggressive, even if it's a certain energy, people are more seeing it as you're going on a ride as opposed to I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. Or as, as opposed to like, hey, this is directed towards you. It's more like come on this this ride. So I don't know if if that's something that's been challenging for people. It, it might be. But I think for me, I haven't had to come across very much that I've had to change what I do or how I how I approach music. It's more about come on this journey with me. Yeah. I think I think for me and maybe you know, this is a bit of what I've seen from people. They find it challenging to, or, or they feel they have to do what people are doing on TikTok or Twitter. They feel they have to fall into this mold. And I think it's hurting their creativity when um, I believe there are many opportunities to create things in different ways. I think a lot of people are struggling with figuring out how to create, if that makes sense. Yes. And then the app thing, it wasn't really a big deal for me initially. I'm starting to really get into it more. But I noticed when I went towards uh, to show the projects to the labels, that that was one of the big things that they would all hit upon is how many followers do you have? You know, how many how many platforms are you using? And Mm -hmm. it's interesting to think about that, that maybe there is a generation that really has to think about that before they make the music. Um, but I really tried really hard to focus on the music first. And I went in there with that. I went in there totally honest with these guys. Look, the social media thing, I'm not really too focused. That's not why I'm here. I'm yeah. here because of this music and this project. And I'm coming to you guys because you guys are the experts. You guys are the guys that are in marketing. Otherwise, there's no reason for us to be partnering with anything. Right? Because if I had the social media and marketing figured out, why would I need right yeah yeah <laughs> Any, anybody else so so i i think artists to be truthful artists need to just stick to their guns i think people need to stick to their guns make the music they want to make that that that's exciting for them because yeah. honestly it takes it takes the fun out of it why why i don't want to make music that i'm being told what to do or i don't want to make music that i expect a certain crowd to like that's not why i'm doing um the new 8-bit boy or, or the the rat album i'm doing that because I'm doing it because I'm going to like that album. And if anyone else likes it, great. But I'm doing it because I know for myself, I've always wanted an an album like the one I'm about to make. Excellent. And I think that's the core of art and creativity. You know, you're channeling what you've experienced and you're channeling your own vibe. And when you put that out there, it becomes something unique that um, that, that really resonates. And it's kind of hard to manufacture that that channeling of an artist's energy without actually channeling an artist's energy. So mm-hmm. um, that is that is one thing I, I tell people. And I, I think my message may have gotten a little muddy at times because I'm like, oh, you can use Instagram Live. You can do this. You can do that. You can do all this stuff. And people are like, you're getting away from the art. And it's like, no, no, I'm just saying there are opportunities. <laughs> you, know, you can try this stuff out. So um, it's just it, it's just amazing to me. Where, where we are right now. Um, did you see T-Pain's rant? 
I see a lot of T Pain rants. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> the the one that was very the one that was very recent about uh you know you're all doing the same thing, um, you know you're there are two pe- there are two rappers named Baby and there was already a rapper named Baby. You know, she went off about being repetitive, and I think that's just what happens when you get in the you're trying to be part of this corporate machine or whatever, and you're not really letting that creative energy flow. So. Yeah, I I'll relate with this. I I like all art styles. I like all music styles. But mm-hmm. when I can, but if I can play twenty songs from twenty artists, and it sounds like one album, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. There's a major problem. If if I can't distinguish that this is different people that I'm listening to, that it's all like one thing. Because I I'm sure if you picked up any compilation back in the day, like where hip hop was a certain sound every song on every track you skipped, if it was a compilation, everything sounded different. Totally yeah. different vibes, different beats per minute, different energy, uh, highs and lows, but now it's like this one sound. But I will say, I noticed, like, for us, Japan has been buying our music, uh, Germany mm. has been buying our music, Poland has been buying the music, and there's a certain sound that they still respect out there, and it's selling. So I think it's, it's I don't think artists necessarily need to change. Artists need to just do what's in their heart. Like, if they really feel it, someone's going to like it. The world's too big for someone not to like your music. That is, that is very true. Um, and we got people, Soldier9358, TJ Cruz, Leticia, I am Paulina B. Uh, thank you all for stopping through. We love you. And, um, you know, you're listening to some great and knowledgeable words from the man, Nasty O. Um, I'll put you on a guy named uh, the Dorian... Um, the Dorian group. That's him. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he popped off in France and he's from Houston. So he ended up taking his experience with like, you know, watching the numbers and popping off in France, Mm. putting all his energy there. And once he got, you know, big enough in France, he was able to use that clout to, I, I thought he was in France. He was talking about France so much. Right. You know, He's like, oh, yeah, man. you know, France is doing this and that. And I'm like, is he a French rapper? He doesn't sound French. It sounds like he's from the South. And turned out he's from Houston, right? <laughs> oh, wow. But he, he used that clout to then come back, uh, kind of bring a lot of that clout and influence back to his home and say, hey, listen, I have something. So, yeah, it's that creative flow. Once again, you don't know where it's going to come from. Uh, they, you don't know what your energy is going to bounce off of and resonate with. So man, I'm I'm just glad that people like you are out here doing it and making good things happen. Appreciate it. So um, I want to I want to wrap this up. Is there any um, is there anything that you you know want to make sure that we cover or leave the people with? Uh, well, if they want to keep up with anything we have going on, music projects overall, you can go on our official website, SkyTowerRecords.com. SkyTowerRecords.com. And you'll see my my past projects, future projects. We try to keep it pretty up to date. We got merchandise. I mean, everything you would expect from a record label, it, it's all in there. So it's it's me and Mac Villain's record label, SkyTireRecords.com. All right, cool. Well, thank you very much, Nastio. Um, you have a good time. Um, and thank you for doing the Comic-Con at home thing. You actually brightened my day, so I know you brightened a lot of people's days with your posts there. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me at BenjaCon. All right, my man. I'll see you on the internet later. Talk to you soon. Peace.
uh, go ahead and close out. There's a little button somewhere. All right. So uh, that was uh, Nastio, uh, creative entrepreneur, marketer. Um, dude's done a lot of music, got himself out there. Uh, he was talking about the creative energies and being unique. I ran into him and I stopped him at Comic-Con because his vibe was unique. For all you artists, developers, designers out there, make sure that your creative energy is flowing in your direction. It may seem like you're being weird. Nobody's checking for you. But, you know, as Drake said, you've got to transition from fitting in to standing out. And once you hit that threshold, it's going to be weird. It's going to be difficult. But you can make great things happen. And there are seven-something billion people in the world. I'm sure someone out there is connected that will like what you're doing. All right. So be sure to keep up with us this week on Benjacon. We've got a lot of good interviews coming up. Um, we've got Eddie P. Uh, we've got uh, Kingpin, John, John R. Diaz. We've got Jeff Junio coming through. Uh, the old, my old school uh, Comic-Con running buddy. We've got Raphael Phillips. Uh, who else do we have left? Holly Stacy, writer and author. Josh Moreno, design. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Also, jump in the comments of these posts. Jump in um, any, of the, uh, any of the posts that I'm making. Um, it's not just for the live. We want to keep this information. We want to keep this energy going, and we'll definitely get back in contact with you. If you want to know anything about the artist or what we're doing, let us know. That's going to be it for this one. I will see you tomorrow. Peace. Hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. You all make everything I do possible, and I really do appreciate it. So even if you've got me on social, please visit MrBinja.com and see what's happening and how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, I'll see you next time. Peace.